Hello and welcome to another episode of the County Cricket Podcast in association with our friends at Bear Crickets. I'm your host, Aaron, aka the Cricket Connoisseur, and joining me on my left for tonight's special episode of TCCP is, of course, everybody's favourite Yorkshire supporting co-host, Mr. Matt Wiley. So Matt, first things first, mate, thank you very much for coming back onto the podcast. It's always a pleasure to get you on for a chat about all things county cricket. So, I mean, I've got to ask, mate, how's your day been so far? Yeah, very good day, thanks, mate. I obviously spent most of it in the office at Chelmsford. Fair bit of it watching the stream from Blackpool, to be fair, which obviously ended very well from our point of view. So, yeah, it's been a good day, and now we are prepping for finals day. We leave early tomorrow morning. It's a training and media day tomorrow, although, to be fair, that'll probably definitely be in the indoor school, given the weather forecast. But then we just hope that the real thing might actually be out on the Edgbaston outfield, but we will see. We will indeed, mate. Yeah, fingers crossed that the, the bad weather does stay away from Birmingham. Looking at the forecast, it just doesn't look too promising at the moment. But who knows? The Met Office might be wrong on this occasion. It might be a nice day. It probably won't be because the forecast does look absolutely dire. But yeah, fingers crossed we don't have a bowl off at the Edgebaston Indoor Centre and we do get some play on finals day 2023. But folks, we're not here to discuss finals day, actually. We're here to take a look back at the 10th round of the championship. And this is a little bit of a different show because there's been a lot of action. There's so much to discuss across both divisions that we're actually splitting these two shows. So this will be the Division 2 show and the one that I recorded with Kieran will be the Division 1 show. So a little bit different this week, but as we'll probably discuss in today's episode, a lot happens in the 10th round of the county championship. So we've got absolutely no shortage of, of discussion points and, and conversation topics. So... Matt, I say that we just jump straight in to our Division 2 review show and there's no better place to start really than at the Riverside where Durham continue to flex their muscles at the top of the Division 2 table with an emphatic victory by nine wickets over Gloucestershire on home soil. Now, Gloucestershire won the toss and chose to have a bat first in this contest, a decision which for the most part seems to have paid off quite nicely as the classy third wicket pairing of Chris Dent and Miles Hammond quickly propelled the visitors up to a seemingly solid score of 170 for two within the first 42 overs of their innings. However, after the departure of Hammond midway through the next over, things quickly began to fall apart for the visitors, as Gloucestershire lost their remaining seven wickets for the gain of just 146 runs to eventually leave themselves all out for a slightly underwhelming total of 316 runs by the culmination of their first innings. Now, in response to this, Durham unsurprisingly flexed their batting credentials yet again in this year's county championship, as the unstoppable Alex Lees racked up a monstrous 195 from just 229 deliveries to rack up his third consecutive century in this year's competition and ultimately guide his team up to a commanding score of 453 all out by the end of their first innings. Now, at this point in the game, the momentum had well and truly shifted in the favour of the home side. And although the aforementioned Hammond did provide some much-needed resistance for Gloucestershire with a gutsy 86, ultimately the irrepressible Durham Seam attack was simply too good for the Gloucestershire batting lineup this week, as the northeastern side bowled out the West Country outfit for a paltry total of 188 runs in their second innings to provide themselves with a meagre target of just 52 to chase down in their fourth and final innings. Unsurprisingly, Durham did this with ease. Alex Lee scoring 22, Michael Jones scoring 17 out, 
and Scott Borthwick chipping in with 11 out from 14 deliveries to ultimately take the Northeastern side to an emphatic nine-wicket win within just 12 overs in that fourth and final inning. So, Matt, we've got to talk first and foremost about Durham County Cricket Club because they've absolutely dominated the second division so far over the course of this summer. You look at the batting bonus points, 36 over the course of nine matches. It's the most of any team across either division. And you look at the batting averages of this Durham team. Baz Delader averaging 88, Paul Coughlin averaging 79, Bryden Cars averaging 65.4, Ollie Robinson 741 runs, averaging 61.75. And then the man of the moment, Alex Lees, racking up his third consecutive championship ton in that particular game. He scored 916 runs at an average of 61.06 so far this summer. So I suppose the big question to take away from this particular game can Durham be caught at this point, given the fact that the batting lineup is producing these mammoth first innings total, game in, game out? And as if that wasn't enough, the seam attack's been pretty impressive to boots, haven't they? They really have, yeah. Um, to answer your question, well, yes, they can be caught. You know, they will no doubt have in their minds in the dressing room the job's not done until it's done. But You've got to say it's looking pretty good for them, haven't they? They're in the position now where they could easily lose a couple of games badly as and get absolutely humbled and they'd still be fine. You know, to build up that amount of breathing space by this point in the season is very impressive. And I think you've got to give their batting lineup plenty of credit because, you know, the Riverside is not considered a particularly batting friendly ground, is it? It's you know, to start the season and then to end it as well, it's pretty chilly. There's clouds there, there's, there's wind swirling around, there can be plenty of swing and steam and plenty on offer for the bowlers. Obviously, what you do to the pitch is in the hands of the ground staff, if you flatten it out and dry, try and dry it out a little bit, then you can make it a bit more batting friendly, but you can't do anything about the overhead. So that's something that they've had to contend with, perhaps a little bit more so than other teams. And they've handled it very well. So... A lot of credit has to go to them for that. And I think you can also say that given that it will get a bit colder, a bit gloomier, you know, there might be more chance of rain when we get into the closing stages of the season, that could be when their batting might fail them. And when your main strength fails you, that leaves you vulnerable. But because they took advantage of these conditions when the batting can profit, and especially considering the Kookaburra ball as well, which goes pretty dead after not a very long amount of time, that kind of allowed them to have that sort of breathing space. And even if things were to go south in September, they would still be okay. So, yeah, this is a really well-balanced team. And, you know, I've I've got a, a repeated thing of saying nobody deserves success. You have to earn it. But... I think Durham have uh, earned the right to call themselves strong, strong promotion contenders. I, won't, I, was, I was about to say promotion champions elect. Not yet, but not far off. Well, they really aren't, Matt. And to be honest, I mentioned beforehand about those batting bonus points. In terms of Durham's lowest first inning score in the 2023 County Championship, it's 376, which is quite staggering. And that was in 
the two-wicket loss that they suffered Sussex right at the beginning of the season. If you just take a look at their scores in the first innings, 517 for six declared against Leicestershire, 471 for nine declared against Glamorgan, 453 in this game, 452 for nine declared against Derbyshire, 445 against Gloss in Bristol. It's absolutely staggering. The consistency of this team is just on another level. And we keep on mentioning it on this podcast. Done for a number of years, have toiled away in the second division ever since they were relegated in massively contentious circumstances at the end of 2016. So I think when it comes to this team, it's a special team. Clearly, it's an excellent unit. And in addition to the unit themselves, I think you have to give a tremendous amount of credit to Ryan Campbell. I think that he has just provided this team with so much confidence, so much belief. He's coached them brilliantly. And they've recruited well, so fair play to Durham County Cricket Club. I know they're not champions-elect at this time. Anything can happen, especially when we get into Super September. But for the time being, are they worthy of that top spot? Absolutely. And it's a great time to be a fan of Durham County Cricket Club. But Matt, I suppose on the flip side of that, we do also have to talk about Gloucestershire. Because in the season preview, I put Gloucestershire finishing second. I thought they were a real contender for promotion this season and it's just gone massively wrong hasn't it I mean you look at the table yes they're currently seventh they'll probably be eighth to be honest once Derbyshire have played that game in hand but where do you think things have gone wrong for Gloucestershire in the championship because we've mentioned beforehand the the poor weather and they did suffer from that string of, of rain affected draws at the start of the season but even since then they've just struggled to to generate any kind of momentum where do you think things have gone wrong for the West Country outfits in this year's county championship? I think it's a confidence issue. I think you have to, you mentioned the sort of rain affected draws there, that, you know, they don't do anybody any favours. Do they really want to, when the season starts, you really want to kind of, you want to be out there, you want to be making your mark. You know, you've done six months in indoor centres, net, warm ups, training drills etc etc and you really want to get out there and when you can't it's got to be so frustrating that I guess this sort of lack of belief then begins to creep in you think well we can't get out there so it's it's draining when we're just waiting and then you oh and then we're finally out there but we've been waiting for so long am I really confident in my own ability you know do I can I do this in a match situation as opposed to just endless nets and it's longer than just the start of the season for Gloucester, isn't it? Obviously, they had such a rough, rough time of it last season. I think it, it, it's more than crept in. It's, it's become almost symptomatic in the group. And in terms of solving it, you'd have to ask a better man than me. But it's a, I think it's a mental side of things. I mean, yes, the batting hasn't exactly fired. You know, they've, they've, there are teams with fewer batting points on them, don't get me wrong, but they're lower. You know they've got less than less than half of what Durham have got, and it. But that, you know, it sounds really basic, but if you're not going to score runs, you're not going to win the game, and fundamentally, that's that's the issue. So, I think Gloucestershire have been maybe slightly caught out. They were perhaps hoping for a bit of an easier ride in Division Two when they went down. You know, teams sometimes go down and 
kind of used Division Two as a season of rebuilding. I think they've perhaps been caught out by the gap between the two divisions. They maybe thought it was bigger than it was. It, it's not that big, you know. I, I think there's. You look at last season. I think Durham would beat a beat a few Division One teams this year. I think Nottinghamshire would have challenged a few last season. It, the gap is not particularly massive, and I think. Yeah, Gloucestershire's rough season last year hasn't helped, and then it's just got to be a complete lack of belief. And I don't know. Do you need a change in coaching staff? Do you need a change in captain? Do you need whatever it is? I think that might be where they're slightly going wrong. It's interesting you mentioned the coaching, Matt, because again, we're not going to mention it in this podcast. So I think I'm going to save that discussion until after the One Day Cup. But there's been a lot of talk in Gloucestershire circles about the future of Dale Benkenstein as the head coach, given the fact that the team were just so underwhelming last season. And it, it's not it's not improved, has it, this year either, in particular in the Championship. I mean, they, they were a bit more competitive in the T20 Blast. Yes, it was a disappointing campaign, but they did have some excellent performances. They beat Surrey, for example, in Bristol, and they were competitive at points in that tournament. But in the Championship so far this season, bitterly, bitterly disappointing year, for the glorious Gloucesters. So, again, we'll have to wait and see what does happen with regards to the coaching setup. But we'll have to wait and see. The situation in Gloucestershire has not improved that much, though. So, again, that is a decision for the club to take. But aside from Gloucestershire, great win for Durham. Yet again, a massive, massive victory in the wider scheme of things. And, yeah, if you're a Durham fan, hopefully the boys can keep this up because they've been absolutely wonderful to watch as a neutral fan. But, Matt, aside then, from that encounter between Durham and Gloucestershire at the Riverside, let's turn our attention to the south coast of England. Let's head to Hove, where Sussex and Derbyshire played out a thrilling draw at the first central county ground. Now, Derbyshire won the toss and elected to have a bowl first in this game, a choice which appeared to have backfired somewhat in the early exchanges of this clash, as the confident Martlett's batting unit, spearheaded by the likes of Tom Clark and Tom Haynes, applied themselves nicely on home soil and amassed a solid total of 402 all-outs by the culmination of their first innings. Now, in response to this, Derbyshire themselves put on a pretty good showing with the bat in hands, as a gritty 105 curtsy of number 3 Brooke Guest laid a nice foundation for the visitors to rack up a sizeable score of 407 all-outs by the end of their first innings. Now, unsurprisingly, this slender five-run lead didn't exactly last long for the visitors, as the mostly impressive James Coles put together a masterful 180 from just 264 deliveries to completely flip the momentum of this game on its head and ultimately take the home side up to a mammoth score of 384 for nine declared by the end of their second innings. Now, at this point in the game, this encounter looked all but destined for a draw. Derbyshire needed a massive score of 380 to win from just 58 overs in the fourth and final innings of this match. But cometh the hour, cometh the man, and the man of the moments on this particular occasion was Leia Deploy, the Derbyshire captain, racking up a blistering 128 from just 117 balls to take Derbyshire almost to the finishing line. And Matt, first and foremost, I've got to ask about this knock before we get into the death overs of this game and the thrilling conclusion that we witnessed on the South Coast this week. Just a few words on that knock from Leia's deploy. I mean, I'll get into the stats in due course, but goodness me, that was some effort, wasn't it, from the Derbyshire skipper? It really was, yeah. I'm always kind of impressed when somebody scores at 
more than a runner ball in the championship because of how difficult it is. You know, you look at T20 and limited overs, it, it's quite a bit easier. You know, you've got the white ball that doesn't swing as much. You've got fielding restrictions. You've got the inability to ball down the leg side. You can do all of those things. Obviously, bar the fielding restrictions, you know, there are none in the championship. You can, it, the balance is so much more even, isn't it? And to have the technique and the ability to still score at such a rate, like you did, is very, very impressive. And more so to do it in such a kind of counter-attacking fashion. You know, it's, it's, it's why I'm quite a big admirer of Travis Head if he wants to sort of take an international comparison. You know, his ability to... Mm. You can build pressure by taking those top-order wickets. But then when your opponents have a player that can come in in the middle order and wrestle back control, it's such a good thing to have. It's such a beneficial thing to have. And that's what he, he showed it off superbly. And I think Derby's fans would just have to hope that any rumours that he might be off to uh, a certain county beginning with M and ending with that for next season aren't true because he will be missed, I'm sure. Well, he would. He definitely would, Matt. It'd been an absolutely massive loss because if we look at the stats so far this summer, Leicester Ploy is the leading run scorer in the second division with 979 runs at a frightening average of 108.77. Three centuries, four fifties to his name. He's striking at 67.61. He is having a massive season for the East Midlands County. And I tell you what, he's been an excellent captain as well. I must say, leading from the front with the bat in hand. But as I mentioned, this unfortunately for the Derbyshire fans out there wasn't enough to take the visitors across the line in this particular game. Don't get me wrong, Leos got them very close. He got them up to 326 for six in the 51st over. But by this point, the momentum just began to slip and fade away from Derbyshire in this run chase, as the likes of Nathan McAndrew and Henry Shipley provided some excellent death over bowling to ultimately restrict the visitors to 361 for eight by the end of their 58 overs. I've got to say, though, this was a wonderful game. And I know there we've, we've mostly spoken about the likes of Shipley. We've spoken about the likes of McAndrew and Lair's deploy and the conclusion of this game, Matt. But just to, to shift the focus and the attention away from Derbyshire for just a moment and talk about Sussex. Because a couple of years ago, on this podcast, I spoke about two projects in county cricket. One of them was Leicestershire's, and one of them was Sussex's. And I know that this is a big question, Matt, but in 2023, given the fact that both those teams have been in rebuild, both those teams are now challenging for promotion, and both of those teams have got a whole plethora of young stars coming up through the ranks. For example, James Coles in this match, who we'll talk about in just a second, really impressed with that 180. Out of those two teams, Sussex and Leicestershire, who do you think has had the better rebuild as of 2023? That's an interesting question. Um, do you know what? Because you've asked it me now, as opposed to three weeks ago, I'm going to say Sussex, because I think I feel like Leicestershire have just absolutely set theirs on fire. And, you know, we don't know what went on behind the scenes at Leicestershire, but I think Sussex has been slower, hasn't it? It feels like, to be honest, they've been in real build for about the past five, six years. You know, they went incredibly young, didn't they? They were fielding teams that averaged 17 or 18 at one point. You know, they just 
went all in. Um, it's tough, isn't it? You, you kind of have to judge each one on their own merits. They're both, for now, in terms of their result, the table looks okay. You know, obviously that kind of belies what's gone on the left this year. But then again, you've got people like Rehan Ahmed coming through at left this year. Are there any England prospects or certain England prospects? Or you could say Tom Haynes is roughly there at Sussex. But yeah, you've really got me thinking here. Um, no, do you know what? That My first answer was Sussex, so I will go for Sussex. I just think if, if you'd asked me this question three weeks ago, I really would have been struggling to give you an answer. But I think just to count of the fact that Leicestershire appear to have maybe shot themselves in the foot somewhat, I'm going to say Sussex because they're just still going. Fair enough, mates. I, I, I have to admit that was the big question for today's podcast because I was just thinking about it, right? I've been listening back to some of the ones from 2021 and I, I did identify those two teams as sides to watch out for in the future. And I suppose now we're living the future, aren't we? Because we're in 2023. It's no longer 2021 and we are beginning to see the fruits of those particular rebuilds. And you look at Sussex's one in particular, to be honest, Matt, I would agree. I think Sussex have been the better of those two teams in terms of the the current outputs of their rebuild. But one major component of that, other than Ollie Carter, who we seem to mention every single week on this podcast, he's having an excellent summer so far. But I've already mentioned him, James Coles. James Coles is having a great season. I'd go as far as to say he's having a breakthrough summer for Sussex County Cricket Club. So as of this recording, he is the club's leading run scorer. With 581 runs, he's averaging 58.1. He's got two centuries and two fifties to his name. And one thing that just steps out to me above anything else is his play of spin. I love his footwork. And yes, at times he does struggle against the pacers, in particular the short balls. So for example, in that first innings, George Scrimshaw did provide a little bit of problems for the the Sussex all-rounder, but his his footwork against spin, his sweep shot is very potent as well. And another thing which I really like about James Coles is that he's only 19 years old. He's still got a massive room to grow, I suppose, in this game. But in terms of his offside game, it's really impressive. He's already got an expansive offside game. So for me, he's really stood out to me alongside Ollie Carter, alongside Tom Haynes and Tom Clark as being the real major focuses of this Sussex rebuild. And it seems that 2023 is finally the year that the team is ready to take that next step. I feel like in the past, you mentioned it beforehand, Matt, inexperience and probably naivety did actually come against Sussex in the championship. It's the longest format. You've got to play excellent cricket across all four days to be victorious in this competition. But they're now beginning to string together performances. And yes, this wasn't their best performance with the ball in hand. As I mentioned, it took some good death bowling from the likes of Henry Shipley and Nathan McAndrew to salvage this result. But in terms of that batting lineup, homegrown talents, young talents, exciting talents, Sussex have got it all. So I've got to say, very, very impressed with the Marlets so far this summer. And I'll tell you what, they'll take those five points. They could become very handy heading into the promotion run-in come Super September. But Matt, just before we we switch our attention to the game between Worcestershire and Yorkshire, just one final question from this game. And it's actually about Alex Thompson. Now, I don't really mention Alex Thompson enough on this podcast, but I thought I'd give him a huge shout out this week because he took career best figures. So for example, in that first innings, Thompson took figures of three for 70 from his 27 overs. And then he followed it up with five for 110 
in the second. It's the first time he's ever taken eight wickets over the course of a first-class match. So in terms of Derbyshire, would you say that his move has, has paid off? Because he was struggling for opportunities in a Warwickshire shirt, but performances like this, he's also had some decent efforts with the bat in hand. Do you think that move has, has paid off for the former Staffordshire all-rounder? I do, yeah. Uh, I love the fact that there you go, you pointed out former Staffordshire all-rounder who uh, kept uh, flashing up when at university we took for cricketers and stuff on front to try and interview. We never did, you know, and now I finished my course. So, anyway, yes. Uh, yes, it's definitely paid off. Um, the fact that Derbyshire have always had to be one of those counties that have to be a little bit more wily with their recruitment because they haven't got the budgets that the bigger counties have got. So it's not so much signing up said bigger county cast off. It's about identifying the talent that isn't being utilised as effectively as it might be at a county with a bigger squad where good quality players that are capable of playing first-class cricket just can't quite get a look into the first team. And, you know, Derbyshire did it with, they've done it with Zach Chappell, who was, I think he's a very good player, and he just wasn't quite getting the opportunity at Nottinghamshire. Uh, Matt Lamb's another one, to be fair, that one was a little bit more surprising, actually. He, I thought he might have had a chance at working in at workshop, but he's another one that you, you've picked up. And I think that's a, a really good way to do your business, and they've done it very well. And, yeah, I think it's, a, I think it's been a very good signing. Uh, he, you know, he's 29, he's still got a few years left in the game. I think, yeah, he's been a very good signing for them and long may it continue. Well, to be honest, Matt, I'm really happy for him, right? Obviously, former Bears player, I did see him have these moments in a Bears shirt, but it's nice to see him finally taking consistent wickets in a Derbyshire shirt. And yes, he hasn't exactly lit the second division on fire. So as of the 10th round, he's taken 14 wickets in just four matches for the East Midlands County. But I just think in terms of control, in terms of discipline, in terms of those first-class line and lengths, in terms of baiting an opposition batter into making those mistakes, I think he's done that a lot better so far this season. And even with the bat in hand, I did allude to this beforehand, but he's averaging 34, 136 runs over the course of five innings is pretty good going for Alex Thompson. So, yes, he might not be layers deploy. He might not be Sam Connors or he might not be Brooke Guest, you know, the real go-to stars of this Derbyshire team. But I'm happy for Alex Thompson and I thought I'd just give him a shout-out. And talking of final shout-outs from a Derbyshire perspective, George Scrimshaw as well, taking a fiver in the first innings. Love to see that. And then Hyder Raleigh in the second innings, scoring a quick fire 73. So I've got to say, a wonderful game of cricket. It really was. And I've said that a lot, a lot across both of these recordings, to be honest, but... This was just a fantastic game and another great advert for the second division of the LV County Championship. And Matt, talking of very entertaining games, let's turn our focus and our attention to the third game in the second division this week, which featured York County. Let's head to New Road, where Worcestershire and Yorkshire played out a rain-affected draw. Worcestershire won the toss and elected to have a bowl first in this game, and Matt, I think it's pretty safe to say this didn't exactly pay off, did it? It didn't, no. Um, we somewhat battered and battered and carried on batting, didn't we? Yeah, 407, wasn't it? It was quite impressive. I was, you know, I'd, I'd been fairly critical of our batting in recent times, but it, it was a really, really good showing. Um, you know, underpinned by Finn Bean again, who's 
uh, having a pretty good season. And I've said for a while, I think we, you know, Adam Live isn't getting any younger, so we've needed to consider the opener position. And to be fair, based on this season, it looks like we might have uh, found a replacement, which is pretty good in uh, in Tim Bain. So yeah, it's really good to see him do well. And of course, uh, 50 for George Hill, who gets better every week. I really, really rate George Hill and he's another option with the ball before you even go too deep into his batting. So yeah, there were contributions from everyone. It was, yeah, even Ben Code got in on the act, didn't he, late on. It was, yeah, it was a really good all-round batting display and it's just a shame, really, that the weather kind of did what it did because I think bowling, then bowling Worcestershire out for 242 and having them follow on, I know they battled back a little bit more in the second innings, but if we'd got quite a few more overs to play in, then who knows what could have happened. But it was a, I was happy. It was a strong performance, I thought. It was, and to be honest, again, even though it was rain-affected, right, it was still a good game of cricket. And we'll discuss one particular memorable partnership in due course. But Matt, you mentioned there about Finn Bean, and I just wanted to talk about him in a bit more detail because as long-term listeners of the podcast know, both myself, Kieran, and to be honest, you as well, Matt, are very, very big fans of this guy. He's just signed a brand new contract extension at the club. And if we do look at his his outputs, his performances so far this season, 569 runs in a Yorkshire shirt, averaging 47.41, three centuries. He is the club's leading run scorer in the championship so far this summer. So I've got to ask, Matt, what makes Finn Bean so effective as an opener? He's incredibly well coached, isn't he? He's that sort of classic. His technique is very unflappable, isn't it? He's the sort of... He's not dissimilar to Harry Duke, is he, in the sense that he's been trained up so very well that he's... I think it's that panache and that confidence to sort of go out and just... He trusts his natural game, and that is a lot of maturity to have at that level it really is a it's a real tick in the box i think to be able to do it so well at such a young age and you know you could maybe compare him to somebody like james rue at some certain terms of that maturity that he's got now don't get me wrong i think james rue is a better cricketer i think Finn Bean has a bit of a way to go in terms of developing his all-round game but i think it's that sort of Teams don't yet know where to bowl to him because they haven't quite worked him out because he's not been in the game long, but he has the ability, he already has the ability to take down bowling attack because he trusts his own game so well. And, you know, when you're an opener, your first job is to see off the new ball and tire the opening bowlers, and it's then to bat long and bat big, and you can do both of those very well. Whether this last, as teams do begin to work him out and they can bowl a bit more of a probing line and length into something that will test his technique, that might be, well, you know, that will be a real test for him. That will be the occasion of when we find out if he's really got it or not. But I think for now we can say that, yeah, as long as he keeps along his current path, as long as he kind of trusts the coaching that he's had and develops it with people like Otis Gibson who have got international coaching experience, I think it's a I think he's, he's in a very, very good place. He certainly is. And again, he's been in great form, hasn't he? He really has been one of the, the young stars 
in the second division so far this summer. And it's great to see. You mentioned George Hill as well, Matt. I've got to say, he was very, very impressive in this game, chipping in with a valuable 53. And as a result of those efforts from the likes of Finn Bean, from the likes of Adam Live, from the likes of Ben Code, who hit a quick fire 41, and George Hill's 53, Yorkshire did produce a big batting display in that first innings, ultimately being dismissed for 407 runs in the 93rd over of that inning. So in terms of this point in the game, you've got to say Yorkshire are probably in the better position. And this position soon got even better, didn't it, for the visitors, as the likes of, of Matt Fisher, Ben Code and Mark Steckerty had Worcestershire in all sorts of bother on a score of 179 for 9 in just the 54th over of their first innings. But... Matt, this is where the game began to take a rather unexpected turn, wasn't it? And we've got to discuss that last wicket partnership between Adam Finch and Ben Gibbon because that was quite special, wasn't it? I know, obviously, it came against your team. It did It did ultimately cost Yorkshire an extra 11 points in this particular encounter, potentially. But that was a mammoth effort, wasn't it, from the two tail-enders. Adam Finch digging in 24 from 128 deliveries. Ben Gibbon scoring a career-best 41 out from 103 balls as the two tail-enders survived, grafted and ground away for 231 deliveries over the course of that colossal last wicket stand. A few words on that partnership. How crucial, how pivotal and how vital could that be for Worcestershire heading into the rest of this year's county championship? Yeah, incredibly vital. Um, the... I, I've always thought of it more as a weakness of opposition teams to not be able to finish off a team as opposed to a strength of the team in question. Like, oh, our number 11 can dig in. I don't really feel like that's a strength. I feel like it's maybe a useful thing to have, but it's not exactly, you know, if you're relying on your number 11 to dig you out of trouble, it's not exactly a particularly brilliant position to be in. But you can flip that and say, oh, well, we back deep. You know, we, they have the ability to back it up. And I think in a situation perhaps where Worcestershire maybe need Ben Gibbon to come in and, and or Adam Finch to come in and perhaps support, let's say, Jack Holmes, who's been, uh, I'm just using him as an example, but a more established batter to get them to 450, for example, to help them score bonus points, to get them into a first innings lead, maybe to even get them over the line into some sort of big run chase. It, it's a it's a kind of sign that yeah that, that that ability to to grasp I think if you use it as a flip if you kind of spin it into a positive you don't want them together because obviously that is them bailing out the top order but if one of them supports said top order in a situation where it's needed in the future, then that is really, that could could be really massive. And especially considering the decisive impact that some bonus points can have, it would be really useful, definitely. Well, yeah, we talk about that often, don't we? In particular with, with teams like Surrey, about the tail wagging. It is important because your openers aren't always going to produce these massive partnerships. You aren't always going to have these monumental scores unless you're Durham in this year's second division, who seemed to just score 400s every single game. And even though it didn't result in that extra batting bonus points, it was still a crucial knock nonetheless from those two tail-enders because ultimately 
the rain came back after they went out to bat as openers, which was actually a very, very interesting thing to see. I absolutely love that. And in fairness to both of them, again, I thought they applied themselves quite well. They survived for 11 overs against the new ball. And ultimately, it did help Worcestershire 2 to salvage this game. The pairs finishing on 142 for 2 from 48 overs in their second innings before the rain came back and ultimately ended with this game finishing in a draw. So just one final question from this game, Matt. Who do you think will be the happier of the two sides? And the reason I ask that, obviously Worcestershire will be elated. They've salvaged the draw, but at the same time, Yorkshire look as though they're taking some real positive steps, aren't they? So we've mentioned about those young players, the likes of Finn Bean, the likes of George Hill coming into the team and providing the goods for the for the White Rose. But in addition to that, yes, they struggled to finish them off, but three very valuable bowling bonus points as well for Yorkshire, who, if they win that game in hand, could just be dark horses, couldn't they, for the promotion running? Yeah, no, you make a really good point there, because obviously with taking this game in isolation, then yes, of course, Worcestershire the far happier, you know, they managed to escape with a draw after conceding 407 in the first inning. It's always going to be a bonus for you, and I'm not just saying that with my Yorkshire hat on, you know, that is genuine, genuine fact. They were following on they were right under the cosh and now they've come away with a draw. So yeah, they of course they will be happy with that. The thing that I'm a little bit more wary of is saying that Yorkshire could carry this forward because if, I, I swear if there's one team that's able to put up 401 innings and then get bowled out for 47 in the net, it's Yorkshire. Um, and I'm sure people will have a go at me for being overtly negative there, but, you know, uh, it is definitely the case. I could easily see us getting turned over. Um, I can't even think off the top of my head who we've got next, to be fair, but I can easily see us getting turned over by whoever it is. Um, but, no, it, joking aside, it's a, it's a really good result um, to be able to score 407 after being put in as well. Maybe that was a mistake at the toss, who knows. But in terms of the game in isolation, Worcestershire will be the happier looking at the season as a whole and maybe what's to come. There will be some positive we can take out of it. I still don't think we're getting promoted. I think the Durham have probably pretty much got the number one spot sewn up and then it's going to between Sussex and Leicestershire and then there's a couple more sides in between us and them. So I, I don't think we're going up. But, you know we're not in the position that we were in at the end of May, which was bottom of the division, having barely won a game, you know, it was, yeah, it was a difficult one to be in and we do seem to have turned the corner. So let's hope that we don't immediately uh, turn another one and go back to where we came from. Well, it's interesting you say that, Matt, because Yorkshire's next game is Sussex at home. So that could be absolutely massive. The Martlets at Headingley, obviously we mentioned beforehand how impressive the Southern outfit have been. Yeah, for Yorkshire's chances, at least a draw. If they can try and pull off a win, though, even better. But we'll have to wait and see. That'll be a very interesting game, though, I must say. So I'll be keeping a close eye on that heading into next week's review show. But aside then from that very, very entertaining game between Worcestershire and Yorkshire at New Road, Matt, let's turn our attention to the fourth and final game from the second round this week, which, again, unfortunately was massively rain-affected. In fact, it was rain-affected to the point where we only had two innings across the entirety of the game. So 
let's head to South Wales, where Glamorgan and Leicestershire played out that rain-affected draw at Sophia Gardens. Now, in terms of game analysis, unfortunately, folks, we don't have tons to pick up on because the rain just kept on falling day in, day out at Sophia Gardens. The fact that two innings were even possible is a tremendous credit to the hard work of the ground staff at Glamorgan County Cricket Club. But in terms of the cricket that we did see, it was actually quite interesting because Leicestershire won the toss and elected to have a bowl first. And to be honest, this appeared to have paid off magnificently. At one point in the 35th over, they had the Welsh side on 93 for 7 and in all sorts of bother. But after this shocking start, it was well and truly the Michael Neeson masterclass in South Wales this week. And Matt, we've got to talk about this innings, about this guy, about his all-round capabilities, because for a number of years, I've been a massive fan of Michael Nisa, watching him in the Sheffield Shield for Queensland, obviously seeing him for Glamorgan now in these past couple of seasons. He is a phenomenal first-class cricketer. And that was a special knock, wasn't it, from Michael Nisa this week. 176 from 202 deliveries, 25 fours, two sixes, striking at 87.12. And somehow, and to be honest, I'm sat here and I still can't quite comprehend how he did this, but he got Glamorgan from 93 for 7 to 403 for 9 declared within the space of around about 60 overs. So a few words on Michael Neeson's knock, mats, And I suppose the big question, is an outside chance for Australia's team heading into the Old Trafford test in the Ashes? That's exactly the question I was going to ask you. Uh, Old Trafford, no. Maybe the Oval. Just maybe. I think there's even a bigger X Factor shout for Old Trafford, but we can come on to that in a second if you want. Yeah, I mean, it was this this inning was just unbelievable, wasn't it? It was, it's almost one of those where you just can't find the words because it was just so unexpected, so out of the blue, and so brilliant. Just the destructiveness of it, just how easy you seem to find it. 25 balls, you know, scoring 100 runs from the boundary, batting at number seven. It was just, yeah, it was it was incredible, absolutely incredible. And I got to be, I, I've got I've got to be honest. I mean, fair enough, you know, you've been watching him for Queensland. But I wasn't really aware that he was this competent as a batsman. I, I knew he could hold a bat, you know. I, I wasn't sure he's he's not one of the Australia's three number 11s, as uh, Ollie Robinson might say. Um, but he was, yeah, I, I didn't know he could do this. So absolutely fair play to Michael Nisa. He's just, he's one of those that, he's, he's an overseas player that's consistent, that doesn't, you know, doesn't really show off that he's not interested in all the glitz and the glamour of it. He just, he just turns up and he does his job for his team and he's really good at it. And I thought that was with ball in hand, and it turns out he can do it with bat in hand as well, which is absolutely worth its weight in gold. And fair play to Glamorgan for picking up on that and getting the best out of him for what's been a number of years now. Well, it has, Matt. And again, you can you can tell that I'm a big fan of Michael Nisa because I'm about to give you some good stats. But over the course of six matches, 487 runs, averaging 81.16. Two centuries, two fifties to his name. He is one of the leading run scorers at the club. He's got the highest average as well in this year's county championship. And then, obviously, his main aspect is his bowling. 20 wickets, an average of 26.15. This is 
this guy is a difference maker. We talk about X factors in county championship cricket. Michael Nisa definitely fulfills that description. I thought he was absolutely exceptional in South Wales this week. And to be honest, it completely took Leicestershire by surprise, didn't it? From 93 for seven to 403 for nine. I mean, the likes of Chris Wright, Matt Salisbury and Tom Scriven did try bashing the door down, but Michael Nisa was just on a different planet this week. And ultimately, those again could be some massive batting bonus points for Glamorgan to take into the promotion running. But... Aside from that first innings from Glamorgan, the first and only innings as a result of the rain in South Wales, Leicestershire themselves, we can't take away from the Foxes' batting display because even though there weren't really any permutations to this innings, there was never going to be a result. There simply wasn't enough time for the for the game to end in that fashion. But 451 for six from 92.3 overs. And Matt, one player that we just have to discuss is Rishi Patel. Rishi Patel, before this season, had never even scored a first-class century. And as of the 10th round, he's now scored four in this year's county championship. He has been in unbelievable form for Leicestershire County Cricket Club. He's scored 882 runs. He's averaged 58.8 for the Foxes over the course this summer so far. And again, this was just a, an exceptional knock, wasn't it? Career best, 179 for the Leicestershire opener from 237 balls, 16 fours, five sixes, striking at 75.5. Here's another big question, just to almost end on, I suppose, for today's episode of the podcast, because we'll take a look at the, the tables in due course, but is Rishi Patel the most improved player in Division 2 of the County Championship? What are your thoughts on that? You make an incredibly convincing case. And... Yeah, based on the fact that he's obviously had seasons in the past, I would potentially be tempted to agree with that. I want to go for somebody like, almost like Finn Bean, but he's not, you know, he's, he's not, he's not in, had a low in the professional game previously to talk of, has he? I want to say improved in terms of he's developed to the point that he's able to burst through and put in these performances, but you know, his that's just that's just a young player coming through, isn't it? That's not a player that's had a low at the top level and has then sort of rebounded. So yeah, I think I might be tempted to agree. He's obviously, you know, moved up to Leicestershire. Um I was a little bit surprised by that move as well, I've got to be honest, when it did happen. I know it was a, a few years ago, but I was a bit surprised by that one. But while at Leicestershire he's, he's done very well, he's an all format player, you know, that takes a lot, you know. I've, I've kind of almost, you know, when I've been down here in Essex, I've really got to appreciate just how much those all-format players really do. And it is a lot. And he's, yeah, he's turned it around, hasn't he? And you have to give him a lot of credit for that. And it's a source of admiration. And again, Leicestershire, one of those counties that have to make some pretty shrewd deals in terms of the recruitment. But they've done it well again. And yeah. You know, the fact they've managed to coax out the best in Rishi Patel. And I think this is one that most Leicester, that, well, I say most Leicester fans, that all Leicester fans will be hoping carries on. Well, to be honest, Matt, I hope it carries on because not only is he an excellent player on the pitch, but he's also a lovely bloke off of it. And the reason I said that he could be the most improved is because of his performances last season. By his own admission, he was very disappointed. He had 418 runs 
at an average of 27.86. And when you compare that to this summer, 882, as I mentioned beforehand, that's an incredible uptick in performances. And he just looks imperious at the crease in this year's county championship. So Rishi Patel will take a bow absolutely chuffed for him and his family. He's put in so much work over the season. He went over to Mumbai doing spin coaching, doing endurance coaching as well. And it's absolutely paying off. So shout out to Rishi Patel, one of the best players in the second division with the bat in hand so far. And aside from Rishi, the captain, Lewis Hill, scoring 78. He also had a very quick fire, 61 from 35, courtesy of Louis Kimber as well. So all in all, another big performance for Leicestershire. And I spoke beforehand about Glamorgan getting that extra batting bonus points. Leicestershire got maximum in that particular innings. Glamorgan only got two, so... Yeah, that could be quite big. Only two bowling points for Glamorgan, five batting bonus points for Leicestershire. So, talking of those points and having a look at the Division 2 table, let's take a look at the standings at the end of the 10th round. So, unsurprisingly, still at the top of the tree at the end of this round are Durham on 155 points. In second are Leicestershire on 108 points after that draw at Sapphire Gardens. In third are Sussex on 106 points. In fourth are Glamorgan on 95 points. In fifth are Worcestershire on 92 points. In sixth, but with a game in hand over all of the teams above them, are Yorkshire on 80 points. In ninth are Gloucestershire on 65 points. And in eighth and bottom place, but with a game in hand, are Derbyshire County Cricket Club on 63 points. So I think it goes without saying, but the 10th round certainly didn't fail to deliver yet again in this year's county championship. Some incredible individual performances from the likes of Rishi Patel, Michael Nisa, James Coles, just to name a few. It was a thoroughly entertaining and fascinating round of county championship action. And I tell you what, the 11th round, it's got a lot to live up to. It really has. I mentioned beforehand in the second division, we've got some massive games. And I think the standout one for me probably will be Yorkshire versus Sussex. I think that'll be a very, very interesting game indeed. But... Leicestershire versus Worcestershire as well at Grace Road. Just another game to watch out for. We'll be keeping an extra close eye on those heading into the next week of action in the LV County Championship. But that is it from us two here at the County Cricket Podcast for tonight's episode. To each and every single one of you wonderful listeners out there, thank you very much for tuning in. And as always, guys, we'll see you on the next one.